0: Shine Pitches, welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Pitch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. Um, I have Jimmy here this morning as we are answering your chief complaints. Jimmy, how are you doing? I'm good. Did I kind of throw you off guard no with how I started complaints today? <laughs> today is technically your Friday, because you get tomorrow off.
1: Yes. Uh I've been hearing multiple people today. We're referring to Thursday as Friday Junior. Oh,
0: I, I refer to it as Friday Eve. Yeah. That's why well, Thursday
1: yeah. is my well, favorite. yeah. Of I think Friday Eve makes sense, but like I had never heard Friday Junior, and then two people in a row said it today.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, we have three of your questions, your burning questions that we are happy to help you guys with. Are you ready not, to help
1: the ladies? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Okay. Uh, I feel like sometimes for, you
0: learn things about ladies all, from answering all this,
1: this help that uh, I am unqualified to provide.
0: Okay, guys. So, question number one: How do you overcome imposter syndrome and become more confident in clinic? So, I actually have a good answer for this, Um, primarily because this whole week I've been listening to a podcast about self confidence to pet myself up for my exam on Saturday. Um, Mm -hmm. Someone in particular that you should really check out is Mel Robbins. She's like a really famous, like, uh, self help kind of person, you know. But she has a lot of episodes all about conquering your fears and anxieties. And something that I read, or actually something that I heard on her podcast that really resonated with me, is that everybody sits around waiting to feel confident, right? It's like, oh, I wanna feel confident when I do this, I wanna feel confident when I do that. When actually, when you look at the science and the definition of what self-confidence is, it's actually not supposed to be a feeling, it's supposed to be taking action, actually. Mm. So rather than sitting around waiting for yourself to feel confident in clinic, waiting for yourself to feel confident enough to make a move, to say something, instead, confidence is more about taking the action on it before you even feel ready. That's what confidence is. And so from that perspective, you can be confident. You don't have to feel ready. You don't have to, because like feelings are kind of wishy-washy, right? Like we can't really like predict or like, like feelings are kind of less easy to control. Your actions, however, are like 100% in your realm of control. So something that, um, that we just, that they discuss on the podcast to help you kind of get the ball rolling and to act confident rather than just wait to feel confident is you think of an alter ego. Maybe you think mm-hmm. of like your role model or someone. I think the example she used on her podcast was like the like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> so-, so you're
1: super Connie. Yeah, exactly. Instead of just plain old Connie.
0: Exactly. So like imagine yourself with a cape. Imagine your highest self. She's got a cape on. She don't care about nothing. She is confident, ready to do anything. What steps would she take in this moment? Let's say you have like an exam coming up that you're scared for. What steps would she take? Or let's say like you have a public speaking presentation. What steps would that superhero take? Because part of why it's hard for people to act confident is because they don't feel confident because they feel so separate and so far away from that superhero version of themselves that's acting. Mm -hmm. So what you have to do is trick your mind into convincing yourself that like, oh, like maybe I don't have to do it. Like the superhero can do it. And then once you envision the superhero doing it enough times, you kind of like visualize the steps of them doing it. Mm -hmm. Then it's much more palatable for you to be like, okay, I think I can do this action now.
1: I think that makes sense. So just pretend you're pretend until (laughs) you actually believe you're Superman. Pretend
0: you're Dwayne the Rock Johnson.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if,
0: that might take some work for me. Yeah, I'm five if, feet tall. <laughs>
1: if uh, I met someone in my line of work uh, that was said they were Dwayne the Rock Johnson, that'd <laughs> be a little worried. Uh, um,
0: how do you conquer? You've you mentioned we were talking off air about this. Jimmy has felt imposter syndrome before.
1: Yeah, I think everyone's felt imposter syndrome. I think that's a that's just a good thing to note is that you're not the only one, mm-hmm. and probably a lot of people around you are feeling that same kind of feeling of like, oh, I don't I don't know if like. You know I know this or like if I well, got this
0: so I actually released a podcast episode all about this you should check it out it's from I think September um, it's all about there's actually seven different types of imposter syndrome like there's seven different characters kind of that you play when you are thinking of imposter when you have imposter syndrome and the research actually shows that one we are harming ourselves more by calling it imposter syndrome because Jimmy's correct almost everyone I think the from what I remember 70% of people in the workforce reported that they have imposter syndrome and what happened was they've done like a lot of research actually on this, which is interesting. I'm like, how come research is fun like this? Like, I don't like other research, but I'm like, this kind of research is kind of cool. Um, but when they did the research, actually, they found that the people that self-reported that they have imposter syndrome, when they looked at their performance, they scored and performed a lot higher than the people that didn't report feeling imposter syndrome. Because the scientists believe now that imposter syndrome actually gives you something to fight for. It gives you something that you want to prove and it keeps you kind of hungry. Um, so from a performance perspective, actually feeling imposter syndrome helps you, but saying that you have imposter syndrome um, makes you think that you have something wrong with you and that's what
1: hurts you. Yeah, I obviously, I'm not in clinic, uh, but mm-hmm. I I've, you know, work in a clinical setting, but I think imposter syndrome kind of after school and like training programs where you have a safety net, uh, It you know it's really intimidating because you don't have someone to catch you when you fall, but you need to... Learn to trust yourself. I think is the most important thing.
0: What helped you trust yourself? Just
1: repetition, really. Okay. I think the more you do something, the more you're gonna trust that like you're doing the right thing. Because, uh, like, yeah, you know, quite honestly, in pharmacy, if you make a mistake, you could kill someone. Right. Um, and I suppose in dentistry, uh, in some ways, you could definitely do some serious harm. Uh, is death on the table? As death is
0: on the table, always. Death's
1: on the table? Okay, cool. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> cool, all right. That's good to know. Uh, so, in most healthcare roles, you could kill someone.
0: Uh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, are we helping? (laughs) I don't
1: know if this is helpful at all.
0: And like, Jimmy mentioned something really important about how it's really all repetition, building that sense of self-trust. So like, I think we all have to come to terms with the fact that there's going to be a period of time, a lull, where like, we haven't gotten in our reps yet. So we will kind of be feeling like a chicken, like without our head, we will kind of be going through that period of not really knowing what we're doing. But that, like Jimmy said, is like a rite of passage almost. It's like normal. And then once we do... Hit that 100th rep, that 1,000th time of doing something, you will feel better. And it's like holding on to that hope that I think
1: will help. Yeah, you just can't let the period of self-doubt overwhelm you. You need right. to be able to recognize that it's something that everyone is going to go through. It's that rite of passage. and. Yeah. If you recognize that and know that this too shall pass, mm-hmm. that's actually better. A,
0: that's a great segue into our next question, actually. Yeah. Question number two is work-life balance advice for a recovering workaholic. I'm like, did I submit this one? <laughs> I think something that helps with workaholism is understanding that it's actually more of a trauma response. Because it's kind of like our bodies think that we are literally in danger if we don't push ourselves to work. We think we come from a lack mindset and we think that if we don't work hard, if we don't push ourselves to the brink of exhaustion, then we think we're going to die. We're going to not be safe. It all comes back to that safety mindset. So I feel like by being aware of this, one way to combat workaholism is reminding yourself, like, I am safe and secure within myself. That's one of my favorite mantras that I always say. Um, I am safe. I will be safe even if I don't submit this assignment. I will be safe even if I don't produce this amount. Like, I will be safe and and I will be fine. And just kind of grounding yourself to remind yourself that it helps you from feeling like this work that you need to do is do or die because it's never really do or die. No one on their deathbed is really like, oh, I wish that I worked more.
1: Now that I'm thinking about just even the term workaholic, right? Yeah. So we don't use the term alcoholic anymore, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. So like, Alcohol dependence. So I have work dependence disorder.
1: <laughs> I guess, yeah. It's, it, I think in a way, like you have a dependency on productivity. Mm -hmm, For sure. Is what it is. And I think what people don't recognize is that if you're constantly trying to be productive, you're slowly going to burn yourself out, right? Mm -hmm. And with that, that's going to actually lead to reduced productivity. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to strike a balance to be able to recharge yourself, right?
0: Yeah, it's, like, at your detriment if you keep working. Like, you will mm-hmm. be actually better at what you're trying to achieve at work if you give yourself that downtime, explore your hobbies, be a person outside of work. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it's going to allow you to give the best version of yourself to those 40 hours a week. I love that. And then you have the rest of the time to cultivate yourself as a person and uh, human, and it's okay to have side hustles, like... Podcast. What do you uh, think
0: um, <laughs> makes you feel like your best person at work? Like, like Jimmy, Like, what do you do at home that you think makes you show up your best at work? Going um, to the gym recently? I
1: think going to the gym recently has been good.
0: Well, so here's something, too. I think that when I break down my habits of being a workaholic, I think a lot of the times that I've... And I, I am getting better at this, I think. But I think a lot of the times that I do strive for my workaholism, it's coming from a place of me feeling like if I don't work hard, then I don't deserve anything. Like I don't, I, I feel like if I don't work hard, I don't deserve love, I don't deserve time off, I don't deserve all like the things that make life happy. I don't it's just something that's been ingrained in me, I feel like. Um, so one way to kind of reframe that mindset is nowadays when I um, want to like maybe take the afternoon off and like go for a walk, buy myself coffee, like be nice to myself and like not be productive. I just remind myself like I'm deserving of this. Like, I I deserve this. So I feel like it all kind of starts with telling yourself that you deserve a life outside of work and that you will still be worth something outside of work. I think something else that also helps me with workaholism is... I keep in mind that sometimes I feel like we almost all use workaholism as a like character crutch kind of like it's something that I identify with and I'm like oh this feels like me this feels familiar this is what I know when in reality I feel like I would be a better person if I really broke this workaholism habit and stopped using it as such a crutch of an identity and instead explored my identity more as like, you know, like a fiance, a dog mom, a person that loves this hobby, a person that loves like that hobby. Um, I think that when we look at the people that we look up to and admire and enjoy being around, we don't like Only look up to them and admire them and enjoy being around them because of their work We also enjoy them because of their personality like their fun stories like what they bring to the table their hobbies Like people are so much more than just their work And so you should also grant yourself that same freedom to explore who you are outside of work Because i'm sure lots of people love you for who you are not just because of the work that you do so in that sense, like don't put so much emphasis and um focus I guess on what you're producing your productivity your work because you are just worth so much more than that
1: it's uh i think it's just challenging to especially you know transitioning from kind of school and training into the workforce uh you kind of have this you know form of like PTSD in a way of like go 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 like work hard like you have to do all these things and then all of a sudden when you kind of go into like the normal workforce things kind of come to but it was a screeching halt. I cannot well wait
0: for the screech. Give me the screech. Like
1: things yeah, you know, things are still busy and everything, but it's definitely you know, there's like kinda limits to the work time and that can make things maybe a little more challenging in terms of you know, feeling like, Oh, like, I'm not working sixty hours a week anymore.
0: Well, you know, Jimmy mentioned something very important here, and that's that there are periods of time where you will not have work-life balance. Like, that's just how the training is. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of think, like, maybe nowadays society puts too much emphasis on being, like, you're a bad person if you don't have that balance, too, because then that's just another added pressure on you to be, like, balanced. When, like, I think a lot of times when you look at, like, um like very successful people, it's less of a balance and it's more it's not like every day I have 30% work, 30% sleep. Some days I'm like 50% work, like 10% sleep. Then I make up for the next day and I'm like 40% rest. Like you know Editing Connie here. This part's kind of funny to me because I'm like, Connie, your math like isn't mathing. Like what is this like 50 and 10 and then 40%? Like where is the rest of the percentages? So I think reframing in your mind what balance means it doesn't mean that you constantly have all the balls up in there like juggling them the same way it means like some days you put down a ball some days you pick up a new ball like you kind of have to accept that it's not always going to be this pretty clean cut form of mm-hmm. work-life balance um but like jimmy said there are phases school is only four years residency is only whatever years fellowship is only <laughs> i don't know there's like a lot of training out there but there <laughs> will come a time where your life will be different for example, how Jimmy is now with work, so just know like you're doing a great job, and like like Jimmy said originally, this too shall pass. It's kind of like a phase. Last question:
1: mm-hmm.
0: How to know if you want something because it's trendy or if it's trendy because it's a good thing? Okay, I have a good answer for this.
1: Okay. I've been thinking about it all I, week. I feel should we save your good answer for after my. Uh... Yeah,
0: let me hear what your answer is.
1: Yeah, I think my thinking is if something's trendy in the moment. Uh And it's something that's going to bring you joy. And you can afford to buy it. Mm -hmm. Why not? Mm. Sure, it could end up in the back of your closet in a few months. It could be something you use once and then never use again, depending on what it is. If it's a cool kitchen gadget or something.
0: But it'll be a sign of the times.
1: (laughs) It'll be a sign of the times. You'll You'll look at it. Maybe you'll feel kind of a pang of regret. Like, oh, I shouldn't have bought it. But if it made you happy even once Mm. life is too short to deny yourself simple pleasures so and then if it happens to be an awesome thing you just got a new awesome thing
0: how would you feel if i approached it this way with my wedding dress if i got like the trendiest hottest wedding dress of the season and i really felt like that bitch but then in like 50 years well you and i are going to be in the nursing home and i'm going to be like oh my god i can't believe i wore that well and you'd be like me ma it's okay it's a sign of the times
1: sign of the times however i would say let's not apply it to the wedding dress <laughs> let's go with a classic tasteful timeless wedding dress see because my mother will be upset
0: <laughs> that's so funny okay you know and what? i think your
1: mother will be upset
0: yeah you know what i actually liked your answer of like why does it matter if it brings you joy even if it's trendy sure but okay so this is my answer okay
1: let's hear this awesome answer you've been bragging about for okay the
0: last okay um imagine your trendiest friend or the trendiest influencer that you know and you go up to them and you say oh my god i'm so excited i just ordered this product And then they shit on it. They're like, ew, that, that is so not cool. That's so like tacky. That's so not trendy. How would you feel? Would you still be like excited that you're getting it? Or would them saying ew, like crush your dreams? Because I feel like if it's a trendy thing, then this trendy person that you trust, if they say like ew, and you don't like it anymore, then that's a sign that you were never fully invested in the product or whatever, because it was so easily like with a snap of a finger, you were so easily like uh, disheartened by it. Or, if it's actually not a trendy thing and it's a truly good product, even the trend, trendy naysayers saying, like, ew, whatever, like, you, you would be like, you know what, I don't really care because
1: I'm excited for it. Isn't that a good answer? I think that's a good answer. Thank you. I think I prefer mine. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Because in mine, yeah, you get a thing.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I guess it's
1: true. I'm curious what the person who asked this question... Well, uh was thinking about purchasing uh, wait
0: is it the hydro flask or i mean is it the stanley because i totally feel that because if it's the stanley
1: uh it's, <laughs> it's
0: so worth it just
1: get it, it i
0: love like, it jimmy and i have yeah, a matching, we, his, we hers have matching his and
1: hers emotional support water bottles and it's something that i think this is a good example because yeah. they I, are they trendy i don't know
0: So, actually, this is a great example because I bought it because it was, like, trendy, right? Or, like, well, I thought I bought it because it was trendy. And then I heard some people say, like, this is so overhyped, blah, blah, blah. But that hasn't – hearing other people say it's overhyped and, like, over, like, trendy or whatever hasn't changed the way that I felt about
1: this product.
0: So that just shows Mm -hmm. it really was not dependent on what someone else thought.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think, you know, remember when you got it for me and I kind of – I wanted it, and then kind of the yeah. The, oh like my the God, day after so you bought it, like no, I, literally
0: the day of. Yeah. So what happened was Jimmy and I were leaving, like like to go to his house in New Jersey that morning. Of I ran this errand. I like ran to the store to get Jimmy the Stanley water bottle because like he'd always said he wanted one. So I was like, oh, I'm so excited! I can't wait to like give him it for Christmas. And then like. I forget if it was as we were going to bed or as we were driving, out of the blue. Like we're sitting in silence. This man turns to me. He's like, You know, I don't think I need the Stanley anymore. And I was like, What the f? I literally just bought it this morning. And I was like, Yes, you do. And you're like, No, I don't. And I was like, Yes, you do. And you're like, No, I don't.
1: <laughs> but now I, I do need it. Yeah, yeah. I think I've drank more water now. I have the Stanley. It just makes drinking
0: water more fun. Oh my gosh, I feel like we've been talking for like a full two minutes now about this water bottle. Alrighty. Anyways, that is all we have this week for answering your chief complaints. You can submit your chief complaint at at Dr. Connie wang x at gmail.com. Or if that's too much typing for you, just go to at drconniewang on Instagram or just a quick pinch on Instagram. You can send me a DM and I will add that to the list of our chief complaints. Otherwise, we will see you on Tuesday morning for the main episode. Bye everyone. Bye. Oh,